Hi, and welcome to The Well Exchange, where we talk about how our spiritual reality impacts our business, our relationships, and more. On today's podcast, we're at Moose Lake Pentecostal Family Camp discussing how we can parent with the Father. For more information or to connect with us, please find us at thewellexchange.com or on Instagram at thewellexchange. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are ever-present. Um, and God, thank you for today. So we take authority over this time and we bind everything that isn't of you and your voice that isn't of you. It's spirit to spirit us that you would speak to us and reveal to us how you love to follow us and how we can participate in that. Amen? Amen. Well, I think we've been introduced to most of you, but for those who we haven't, um, we're Greg and Angela Frost. Uh, we own an executive coaching business, among other things. And um, we do, what we really get to do is just do intercession and, um, and prophetic revelation and life coaching with, with people in the business world, so it's really fun. Um, and in that, we actually work out of our home on purpose. And, um, and so we have a home office, we have a little, like one of those child locks on it, but our kids have access all the time. And so um, if they ever need something, even in the middle of a call, we let our clients know ahead of time that we're, what we're trying to cultivate with our family is that we want our kids to know in their hearts that they always have access to the Father. And, uh, and so they're not allowed to be a disruption to the call, but they're allowed to come in, say hi, they get a love fill up, and then if they start to be with me, it's like, okay, it's time to leave now. But uh, we may have that happen. They may come in and, and need some attention, and that's, that's okay, because they're, they're our primary ministry. And, and so today we're, we're privileged to talk about this, of, of parenting, and again, we want this to be a dialogue and discussion, so if there's a thought or a question that comes up, just put your hands up. We're not claiming to be experts, but we have some really amazing mentors, and, and God's uh, revealed some stuff in this to us where, where we really um, come into more heart-based parenting. Um, have you guys ever heard the term, what, what is it, the, the gentle parenting? Have you heard gentle parenting? That used to drive me crazy, by the way. Um, I used to hate the term gentle parenting because I was like, well, no, the consequences, there are consequences. My kids are pretty intense. Um, what gentle parenting is, is actually it's just emotionally intelligent parenting. That's what that actually is. And when someone defined that for me, I was like, oh, that's super helpful. Because um, it's the, the condition of our hearts are super important. Like that's, that's the reality God's after, right? Man may look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 4 talks about um, guard your heart above all else, but out of it flows the issues of life. Um, we can go through scripture after scripture where even Jesus talked about the core of how important your heart is. And if you want me to define simply what your heart is, your heart is you. It's, it's the core essence of who you are. Okay? Your heart is you. So your mind is yours, but your heart is you. So you can say, I, I love someone with all of my heart. And that, that doesn't really change because your heart is you. But who's had a new concept even this week where you've had a new thought come in and you've changed your mind on something? Your mind changes all the time because your mind is yours. And so what we're after in this is, is just understanding what it means to parent our kids' hearts. And sometimes it takes longer. Um, it's, it's frustrating. Because uh, sometimes we want results. I think religion in us, and, and I'm talking about unredeemed religion, would want results based off of performance. Like, 
do this thing and it'll make me feel better. But really what God's after, even with us, is to parent us for eternity. God's, God is fathering you right now. The Father is fathering you for eternity. And that's, that's the reality. Um, so we have a, an amazing mentor and um, he's, he's had a second go at, at parenting. So he has five kids, um, um, just a situation where um, his wife divorced him. And so he remarried and had a second son, he had a son. So that was five kids plus one more six, six kids. And I think he was in his 50s when he had his sixth kid. And so he was like, oh man, that's a lot. Um, so how, how, this, how this child is being raised is a lot more like um, a grandparent raising a grandchild. And that these are his words, not mine. But um, what he's realizing in this is things that mattered in your 20s and 30s in parenting just don't matter in your 40s and 50s and 60s. And then vice versa, the opposite is true, where things that you know didn't matter actually matter a lot more. And, um, and so this, this came from him out of experience of coming out of divorce because um, you know he, he would say this is true that his all of his first five kids would say there is no question in their mind that their dad loves them 100%. And there is no doubt in their mind that their mom loves them 100%. But what he realized through this pain of divorce and divorce is one of the most difficult things you can go through. It's not God's original design. It's not saying it's not necessary sometimes, but it is not God's original design. And that makes it so, so tough on us. Um, but what he said is he realized that parent or children were meant to grow up in the middle of their parents loving each other 100%. So some of the time, in parenting, we, we're guilty of focusing more on our kids because our kids are always going to want urgent attention, right? They're always going to need that from us, or they're seemingly always want something is always urgent. But what we want to talk about first is actually our marriages, because the best tool that you can have in parenting is a healthy marriage. Um, and we're not going to get too in depth. I know there's like retreats and like two week long retreats even going about marriage. There's so much scripturally, but we wanted to touch on this because it's so so important. Um, did you want to share? First Corinthians thirteen. One of our um, key scriptures that the Father gave us when we started parenting, and it's out of the Passion Translation. If you have issues with the Passion Translation, talk to him, not me. Um, <laughs> Is it, it's First Corinthians 13, we all know the loved ones, but the one that stuck out to me in the translation it says, love does not traffic in shame or dishonor. And traffic is a really strong word used, but it's true, there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of love, and there's the kingdom of darkness. One has a currency of love, and one has a currency of shame and dishonor and disrespect. And we talked about this a little bit of like obedience and in marriage it's like there's mostly adults in here but do you want to have obedient intimacy with your spouse or do you want to have like enjoyment with your spouse and discovery and participation and participation if like part that should be the goal is participation <laughs> and intimacy. i remember we were chatting with a, a single guy and he was like yeah, I just want to obey the Lord and marry whoever whoever the Lord tells me to. I just want to be obedient. And I was like, as, as, as 
a female, I was like, well, that's really depressing. Like, you just want to obey the Lord. You don't want to, like, participate and enjoy who I am as a person. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you want obedient intimacy? And he was like, uh, no. I was like, that's exactly what you just said. You're just saying that you just want consistent obedience. And yes, the Lord loves obedience. He asks us to be obedient, but... Let's be really honest. How often do we as parent, as people obey God the first time? We're not really good at it. But we expect our kids to be like masters at it. And when they're not, most of the time we're brokering from shame. Because we're getting a currency of shame. And so the only way, I like to see it like a bank, right? So you either get the currency of love or you get the currency of shame. And the only way that you can get money from that bank in a sense is to receive it. Someone has to give you the money. So you can either receive love or receive shame. Now, most of us, likely, given our age and life experience, have experienced more of the shame currency than the love currency. So part of why we're talking about a marriage first is your kids are always experiencing what's happening within your marriage. So if shame and fear and control is existing in in the way that you operate with your spouse, it's likely being transferred to your kids. And their, their spirits are so open and they're so perceptive that they're figuring out, oh, like, don't make mommy mad. Like, if mommy gets mad, then I get this, 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 and this. So they're learning that brokering of shame because that's what they're receiving. That's the bank account that you're operating from. But a lot of the times, the father's asking us, like, rules are great. Rules are, are good. He has a whole book, Deuteronomy, that are full of rules. But when you actually drill down to the heart behind those rules, it was love. And he was giving them out of love. So oftentimes we have a lot of rules in our marriage or in our parenting or those types of things that were either passed down to us or we just assume is what God is saying. And a lot of the times he's not giving that rule. But we try to make it a rule because it's easier like, I'm just going to, if you were here yesterday, we chatted about the honest place, the more honest place, and the most honest place. Most honest place is we like rules because then we can control our kids. And the root of that is what's happening in your heart is I'm embarrassed by what my kids are doing because I think or I perceive that people are judging the way that I'm parenting. And I'm so afraid of embarrassment and humiliation that my kids are going to absorb the cost of that instead of the father absorbing the cost of that. That's what's really happening in your heart. I, I don't mind being honest because I've worked through this with the Lord and I can feel I can feel that that's triggering people in the room. I'm not going to apologize for triggering you. You can take it up with the Holy Spirit. Um, because the reality is, if we have been embarrassed, like when I grew up, I knew, I grew up thinking that I was an embarrassment to my parents. I would have, they would have never said that to me directly. But I grew up thinking that. So my response to that was to perform and perfect and be this amazing overachiever. And my credentials for things like top 1%, went to the United States Air Force Academy, was an Olympic qualifying swimmer. Like if you want to talk about a top performer, I was there and it wasn't rooted in love. Everything I did from zero to 23 was out of me feeling at the end of the day, I'm an embarrassment to my parents. I'm going to humiliate my parents, and I need to be a good, bo- a good girl and, and bring honor or, or a good name to my family. Yeah. That is not the kingdom of our Father. And the reason why it's not is because that's not the conversation that the Father's having with me. 
And a lot of the times we parent from that place because we haven't taken the time to work through the core issues in our own heart. And so then it's gonna express itself in your marriage first before it ever expresses yourself in, in with your kids. So I wanna be clear though, we do have obedience with our kids, but this is, this is the, the phrase that the Lord gave me and I wanna submit it to you guys. Obedience is death to your flesh, but participation is life in the spirit, okay? Obedience is death to your flesh, but participation is life in the spirit. What Jesus did with his father all of the time was participate. I, he said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father saying. That's participation. However, you know, in Gethsemane, Jesus, because in his flesh, he said, Father, is there any other way? I, I don't want to do this. And there wasn't. And so he said, not my will, but yours. So he, in his flesh, he obeyed, even though he didn't want to do it. Okay? So that's important to understand because we discipline our kids when we need them to obey us. Um, I would much rather my children have a fear of the road and cars driving by than know how much I love them and see there's freedom, just go wherever you want. Like, that's not what we're saying at all. So, in, until they have an understanding that I love them so much that the boundary that I've drawn for them is for safety and for their, for their well-being so I can train them up well. Now, we're gonna stop here for a second. I wanna just say, if, if you're in a tricky place in your marriage, or you know, there, there doesn't seem like there's a place to reconcile some stuff, um, and you don't feel safe to reveal your heart, there, there is always this option, and I believe this is in healthy marriages and in unhealthy marriages alike. Um, you know, we have Jesus as our bridegroom, and so Jesus as our bridegroom is the infinite source of love. Like, for us in our marriage, we can realize when we're trying to draw from our own resources um, when we get short with each other, because our cups are not that full. Like, we have pretty good cups, but they're still like, empty pretty quickly. But when we have Jesus as the source, and, and we enter into participation. That's like the infinite source. You are plugged in to infinite energy in Him. Um, and, and so just, just pragmatically, I know we mentioned this yesterday, but if you guys need a resource on heart forgiveness, we're gonna podcast the last three talks on our podcast, it's just The Well Exchange. It's on our website, it's just thewellexchange.com, and there's also resources on heart forgiveness. That's a, that's a big thing in marriage. Um, that we try and walk out to the best of our ability and, and in community so we have people that kind of reflect back to us how we're interacting and stuff um, but that's um, those are some resources available for you so let's just stop for a minute and let's ask Jesus a question and then we'll open up for a conversation not not super long because we do have a couple other topics that we want to talk about but we will have a dialogue and we can stay after for questions as well so let's ask um, Jesus how can I participate with you and how you're loving my spouse right now. Jesus, how can I participate with you in how you are loving my spouse right now? I just wanna add one thing I feel like in the room. Um, when we first started getting this revelation of parenting, for me, I felt a lot of shame given how I grew up and the tools that I was given by my parents and my grandparents. So I was frustrated and irritated and also realized that I was holding an offense against my parents 
he's always like, you gave me the wrong bank account. How dare you? I'm so ill-equipped. And, and there's so much grace to just reflect with the Father and come into a different bank account. And so if you're feeling that, I would suggest going to our podcast from yesterday on offense, judgment, and heart forgiveness and working through the heart forgiveness from your parents because that does allow you to receive the other bank account of love. Awesome. Is there any questions or thoughts on just talking about marriages or it's Okay, sorry, I just had questions at the end. Okay, we're pivoting. Um, so we're gonna talk about this. Uh, Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Okay, there's two realities going on in the scripture, and this is important to understand. I think this might be a recap for some of you, but we're going to give you pragmatic examples of how we walk this out. So there's the general principles, right? There's general principles in how you train up a child. Um, I don't want to get into that because that's a personal conviction that likely most of you have. However, this is, let's read the scripture again, and I'm going to emphasize one word. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So each person has a unique wiring and gifting and calling on their life. Our oldest daughter is not like our middle daughter, is not like our youngest daughter, is not like baby in the womb here. They, they all have unique wirings and giftings. And so one of the greatest gifts that you can have as a parent is prophetic words in your children's lives. So with, with our oldest daughter, Abiel, Rate, I think she was three months old, not even three months old. Um, we were visiting with um, the prophet in our ministry, and he's he's an itinerant prophet, very, very gifted. And so he had like a three-minute download for Abiel. That was it, three minutes. And it was like a parenting manual on how to parent her specifically. Um, you know, he talked about things like, um, it's important to understand she's super gifted, which she is, she is super smart and clever, all the things, like not just smart, but clever and socially wise and stuff, for the most part. And we're, we're trying to train that up, but if we weren't careful, she would relegate herself so that she didn't stand out. And that, that was something that he talked about in the prophetic word. So just being aware that the value for Abiel is actually to try your best. Okay, that, like, that's, that's for her, now that's for everyone, but for Abby, that's something we hone in for her because of the prophetic words in your life. And that's been confirmed through other multiple prophetic words. Now, you can get those for your, your kids as well. You have, you know, the, the unholy gift of the spirit, or not unholy, but the, it's a word of observation, right? I observe this thing about my child, and this is what I've known to be true. Um, and so how we observe them and interact with that is important, but we also hear what God is, is saying about them. So, go ahead. So like Greg talked about our first, our second, and I was chatting with someone yesterday about our birthing stories and how our first came right on the day. Like she was right on time, right on our due date, and that was great. Our second came exactly two weeks late, but her labor was, I was five minutes in labor and she was done. And so I, as we've observed, I've noticed that she just has her own timing with things. So. I could step into a rule, say, okay, like we always need to be on time, you always need to do this, da 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 da. Or I can ask the father, how is this a gift for our team? What is what how have you wired her in this unique gift of timing that we need to actually pay attention to? 
Sometimes, because she's three, she dipsy doodles, and that's okay, because she's three. But what we're trying to coach her is life in the spirit. So where is the Holy Spirit actually calling you into a pause, and as a family, we're paying attention to that. Whereas, where are you just operating in distraction, and you need to just come along now? Now she's three, so I'm not expecting her to be fully mature in this gift. But my responsibility as the parent is to be consistently asking the father, is she dipsy doodling or is this a Sela? Like which one is it? And my job is to coach her. And as we realize it's a Sela and we're actually meant to pause as a family, we will take extra time as a family and say, hey guys, Avalyn's gift of timing is coming out right now. And we're going to pause and we're going to ask the Lord together what everyone is sensing about this. How can we pause? Because our belief is, I don't think you said this at the beginning, but we are a family team. And I'm going to get a little mystical on you guys, and if you want the scriptures after, we can have the conversation. But when we got married, um, one of our friends came up to us, and they were like, hey, I just want to let you know your kids are in heaven, and they're celebrating your wedding, because now they know that they're going to be joining your team soon. Ask me later for the scriptures. And I was like, that's really cool. And it reframed our perspective of that each child that we have is adding a unique gift to the team that we didn't have before. And so instead of trying to parent them like, be like Angela, be like Greg, be an apostle, be a prophet, it's like, you just be the beautiful pastoral person that you are, and we didn't have that in our family until you arrived. You are three and still figuring it out, but you know what? We're going to lean into those pastoral moments when we need to pause and actually pay attention to what the Lord is doing. And we, we believe that because our kids are not given a junior Holy Spirit, but also our kids are not given a junior spirit because their, their spirit is it's fully able to engage. So from our child's young age, from Abby's young age, so you want to tell them about what happened at birth just quick? Yeah, so when I birthed Abby, um, first of all, our second midwife never made it, but Jesus was there and he looked at me in the eyes with a deadpan face and goes, Angela, she has an undefiled view of heaven. She just came from the Father's heart. She's been there for eternity. She remembers heaven more than you do. And I was like, how do you parent an undefiled view of heaven? He's like, that's why you're going to have to keep in relationship with me. Because she and our kids, and we watch kids all the time. I love when kids are actually in the service because they can discern what God is doing a whole lot sooner than we can. Because we're really comfortable, and I think Mark said it this morning, like we're really comfortable with what we're really comfortable with. Kids don't know any different, but when Jesus walks in the room or the Holy Spirit is doing something, man, do they pick it up so fast. And their attention is there because heaven and that realm is still more familiar to them and they haven't been obeyed out of it. They haven't been good behaved out of it. They don't know any better. And so a lot of the times the kids are responding to the spirit and we're, we think it's a distraction. Sometimes it is a distraction. I would submit that most times if the kids are in a mode of distraction, it's because we're in performance and not in the spirit. I've sat in more meetings where I've seen the Holy Spirit moving and kids have just been content. Or if there's like a baby and they're crying, it's because they're hungry and you can just tell. It's like a genuine need that they need, but it's not a distraction. Yeah, that's so good. So what we've done as well is we, we call our children the spirits forth a lot. We have that authority, not over just demonic spirits, but we have authority to call people's spirit to the forefront, especially when their soul is operating. And to bless their spirit. 
Um, and we've seen instantaneous change. It's been amazing. So we can chat a bit more about that. But um, blessing and calling forth the human spirit. Um, I'm just trying to skip because we have a lot of notes here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So another conviction that we have, and this is, again, we, we see this in our relationship with the Father, is that our, our job is not to prevent hardship in our kids' lives. And now, what I, what I mean by that is they're going to face trials, right? Jesus said that. You're going to face trials in this life. Our job is to prevent needless hardship. So, like, we want to teach our kids financial literacy. We want to teach our kids how to be wise and discern people so that they don't get themselves into unsafe situations. That's not what I'm talking about. But how, just as a, we're parenting young kids, but how many parents out there are a little thankful for natural consequences? Just, just a little bit. It's like, yes, I didn't have to give them the consequence. They gave themselves the consequence. That's awesome. Um, well, in the same way that the Father is parenting us for eternity and doesn't prevent hardship in our own lives, what His job is with us and what our job is as parents is to know our kids' hearts. Like that's, that's our job. So what, what is our, who is God designed them to be? And one of the things that we speak about with our kids is remembering who they are. Because they may be behaving in a way that isn't in alignment with how they are originally designed. So God has designed your children and you uniquely with an amazing identity and inheritance from heaven. Okay, that, that is the truth of the reality of our identity. We're beloved sons, we're beloved brides, we're beloved friends. And we have an original design from the Lord. So sometimes in, in consequences with our kids, we're saying, hey, did you just forget who you are? Like when we actually pull them aside and say, did you, did you forget who you are? Like you are loving and kind because your words have power as a parent when they're not acting loving and kind. Now there's a difference between sin and just missing the mark and rebellion, okay? Rebellion is when I knew what I was supposed to do and I did the opposite. And that's when our kids, we would move into like, spare the rod, spoil the child. And it's, it's a fine line. And it's like always checking in with the Holy Spirit. Okay, was this willful rebellion? Like did they actually know that they were doing something and we told them no or they knew what the boundary was? Or was it just blissful ignorance and they genuinely just didn't know, but because I feel insecure and I want to control the, the, the situation, I would rather give a punishment than connect and do the hard thing of coaching them and training them in the way of the spirit. And it always is inconvenient and takes time when you don't want it to, right? Um, but with that as well, because there's, there's, I know there's parents of older kids here too, um, and they're teenagers, obviously we're not, we're not there. But this is just a true statement that we're teaching our six-year-old. And our six-year-old starting to get it. And I don't, I, I tell her, I was like, I don't think most adults understand this sentence. It's Pardon? Okay, yeah, oh good. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad, thank you. But so, so the, the sentence is, would you rather be right or would you rather have a relationship? Would you rather be right or would you rather have a relationship? And so what I mean by that is quite often we see relationships severed in our own lives because we would rather be right about whatever the issue is, then choose a relationship. It's, it's, not, um, it's not that there isn't a right stance. It's not that what you did was wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But if we choose to lean into relationship and say, like, like for example, kids on the playground, they're playing a game. It's like, oh, you cheated. 
Okay, Abby, come here. And let's take it. First off, I I was not parented with this as much, but how do I deal with anger? Because anger is really just a secondary emotion. Anger is always driven by something underneath the anger, like injustice or um, I don't know, whatever, shame. Or it can be really anything driving that anger. So I'm feeling angry, and I, I feel angry with my kids. So I wasn't given this tool. And here's the other hard part of parenting. They just reflect you a lot of the time. That's, that's the hardest part. So what my kids get angry and they don't know how to deal with it. Well, that's because honestly, in our life, I was getting angry and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I had to learn to go and just take some breaths and get the anger out, okay? Okay, what am I feeling? What, and so we live on, on a farm. Um, we're out in the barn and my kids just go wild in the barn for some reason they don't listen and, uh, and sometimes we're feeding horses or cows I feel unsafe when my kids are not understanding the etiquette with a you know, thousand plus pound animal that can kill them without thinking about it and so I, I yell and get angry sometimes I'm like, kid, why? like even I have to ask myself why am I getting angry because I want them out here learning was because I felt out of control. I felt like they were out of control, which made me feel um, illegitimate and ill-equipped to protect them. So I got angry to try and control the situation and made me feel inadequate, rather than just putting healthy boundaries in the situation so that I can teach them what to do. And so I had, I had to take a step back. Hey, I, I don't like yelling at my kids. I do sometimes, I don't like doing that. So what's causing this, Father, what is causing this anger in me? And like processing that emotion with him, and that reduces the anxiety inside of me so that I can love my kids the way that he's loving them with healthy boundaries. Um, and, uh, and so, so again, in this situation, do I want to be right? Or do I want to have a relationship with, with a teenager? So say, for example, again, natural consequences, you're going to have your kids making decisions that you're not going to agree with. Um, but I would suggest to you, that having a relationship with your child that isn't an obligatory relationship but an actual real relationship is way more valuable than having a relationship that is based off of obligations and holidays and, oh, this is just my family. Um, and that takes, really, it takes a lot of humility and submitting our pride to the Lord and saying, hey, I just want to love my kids because when they feel, I'll give an example of another man who's uh, mentored us both close and kind of before, his name's um, Wayne Jacobson. He gives this example of when his daughter is a teenager and uh, she developed big boobs, okay? And so she, she was mature that way and she was going to the school prom and it was her first prom and she bought a low-cut dress. And, uh, and so she comes down in her low-cut dress and she, she was innocent. It wasn't like she was trying to be promiscuous or anything. And she comes down and um, and her mom was looking at, at Wayne, and she's like, you better say something. And, uh, and he heard the father say, don't you dare say a word. So she came down, and, and she's like, Dad. and he's like, sweetheart, you look, you look so beautiful. And so he entered into participation with the Lord. He didn't need to be right, because obviously he knows how men are in their fleshly nature. And, uh, and so she went and she came back and she was just so distraught. She, said, she fell into his arms and when she came home from the prom. She said, Dad, I had no idea guys were like that. Because she was just objectified. And now, 
that was a natural consequence. He chose not to be right and not to shelter her so that it would leave room for rebellion and the lack of understanding because that's what God was doing in that circumstance because relationship was way more important. We do the same thing with our kids. I just, it's helpful to have understanding of like teenage years too because that's, that's just some of you. Um, a lot of the times we try to control our kids' process, especially around forgiveness. Like, I, don't, I can count just today, yeah, how often I hear, like, go say you're sorry, go say you're sorry, like, go restore the relationship, go do these things. And uh, I don't know about you, but I hate forced forgiveness. Like, if Greg came to me and he's like, I'm sorry, but there was no actual genuine heart change, I'm like, your words are worthless. And I've said that to him. <laughs> like, your forgiveness needs yes. nothing. It's because it's coming from, again, that bank account of shame. I shamed my kids to forgive instead of them actually experiencing love and receiving love and then loving into forgiveness. So, again, another, the same mentor that I mentioned at the start um, about parents loving each other, parents loving each other 100%, children growing up in that. Uh, his eight-year-old, he was eight at the time, um, they, they've grown up as neighbors and best friends with, um, with the same family. So, and they have kids that are three months apart. So really, really close, best, best friends, right? And, um, and so this little boy, um, he has a real justice heart. And, um, and this justice, some, something happened where he felt like there was an injustice and he totally closed his heart off to his best friend didn't want to see her talk, talk to her or anything. And so this mentor verse is like, okay, God, what do I do? And God said, absorb it. And so as a family, and so they didn't say, okay, make, make up and be, be friends or anything. So they would say, hey, we're going to go over and hang out with these, these people. And the son's like, I don't want to. It's like, okay. And so they just stopped actually even offering it until it was in the son's own heart to reconcile the relationship. And it took eight months with their neighbor and best friend who they didn't see relationally for eight months. And then it was this little girl's birthday. Um, she had her birthday party and the little boy wasn't, or he didn't go, That the dad actually, no, he was, he was invited, but the dad declined it for him because he's like, he just wasn't ready. And then the son comes to the dad and he's like, why didn't she invite me to the birthday party? And he's like, son, you haven't, you haven't wanted to, to see her. He's like, but I missed her. And then they restored their relationship. Because this is, again, that revelation of, like, the father is parenting us for eternity. And so the family is absorbing the cost of what it actually takes for the heart to go through the forgiveness process. Now, for many of us, it's been, like, 30 years, and we're just learning forgiveness. But for an 8-year-old, for it to take 8 months... And for them to realize the cost of what unforgiveness does in a relationship, they like literally threw a huge party, got a fatted calf, threw a whole party, the whole group is together, everyone's passing around presents because forgiveness is a fruit of the spirit and they reward the fruit of the spirit. And they literally bought prime rib and like had the families in there, they reconciled as families because they, they wanted an understanding that this is important families and so there's just an understanding you know, I do want to end a little early um, there's more that we can talk about for sure sorry when we were preparing we realized we wanted a conversation but then also God blessed us with some amazing mentors and revelation in this but um, let's uh, let's open the floor up for some conversation and dialogue is there anything that stood out that anyone wanted to comment on any questions also we know this was probably triggering 
we love you, or not sorry, but we love you, and I'm glad that there was some form of conviction that triggered, and I would submit to you to go process that trigger with the Holy Spirit. Like, why do I feel this, like, ugh, when they shared this, or... So that quote, do, would you rather be right or have a relationship, is from, um, from Spiritual Savory to Spiritual Sonship by um, Jack Frost. No relation. Awesome, awesome last name, though. That's our last name is Frost. Um, but uh, just, just so you know, that came straight from, from the heart of the Father and the Father heart of Revelation. If you guys but it comes out of Genesis because there were the two trees, right? There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which it's great. We're really good at like not knowing what the evil is, but as Christians, we really suck with the knowledge of good. We want the goodest good. We want the rightest right. We want to have good kids. Good is like, side note, but I, I actually don't call our kids good girls. I'm like, you are not a good girl. You were made from and in the image of God. You will always be good. Your action is not in alignment with the kingdom that you were born from. But I don't do the bad girl thing because that's shame. Again, that's the, the trafficking of shame. Your action might not be in alignment. And that's teaching them, again, the difference between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good. And so the good, the goodest goods come around in ways like, um, like this is a funny example, but like Dutch Blitz was created because they thought that the cards were from the devil. And so they created a card game, very similar to a deck of cards, so that they could still play cards and have fun, which is just being right about something so good, which is still the wrong tree. The tree of life is one of peace, enjoyment, and right alignment in relationships. Peace, and, yeah. and so Dutch Bliss is a funny small example, but you can see it everywhere. Like. I'll give you an example. Angela actually taught me this earlier in our marriage. We don't, I don't say good girl, but she's like, there's so many more adjectives that you can use. You're so sweet or so kind or so loving or so generous. Like, there's better descriptive words than good, even. And that was super helpful. And then when they're breaking a relationship, it's, hey, like, do you realize that this caused the break in your relationship? Like, that, that's the conversation. It's not what you did was wrong. It's, you, you broke relationship. Do you want relationship with that person? Well, yeah. Okay, well, how do you think we restore relationship and we walk that out together? Which is, again, not um, probably something that even some of us are comfortable with because we want to often be right, me and myself included. And here's the other thing is we don't reward good behavior, which is really, really hard to not do, especially as someone who's an ex-high performer, recovering high performer. What do we reward though? We do reward when our kids do something in the fruit of the spirit. And so if we see from their heart, love comes out or peace comes out or compassion comes out, we are getting ice cream. You can pick anything from the candy jar because it goes back to that scripture of train up a child in the way that they should go. Well, and the Lord is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as they're seeking him, having yeah. their source of love, then and that's, that's what we're rewarding. And so our job is to coach them in the discernment of where the Holy Spirit is leading them. Because one day mom's not going to be there to give you a bag of candy. But man, the Holy Spirit's going to bring you a, a real estate deal or a business deal. And that's a great reward. But you need to know that you're following the Holy Spirit. So as little kids, it seems trivial to give them a sweet piece of candy. But they're learning to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's the easiest way the Holy Spirit told us to do it. And so we will stop and we'll say, do you know why you're getting a reward? And our six-year-old is starting to figure out. She's like, I have gentleness. And we're like, you sure did, kiddo. And you didn't manufacture it. It wasn't a performed 
gentleness. It literally came out of your heart in the spirit. And so now that she's getting better at the discerning the spirit, we're going to have to reevaluate how much sugar she's intaking. Because it, it's, it's great. I love that my six-year-old can discern the Holy Spirit better than most adults. And, and that's the humbling thing is we had to go to the Lord and say, teach us how to discern when it's your spirit and when it's just performance. The other thing that could be coming up with your parenting or with your kids are generational issues. So like, let's say generational anger or generational withdrawal. Just because I want to honor time. We can, we have another topic that we can talk about. Do you guys want us to talk about it or do you want us to stop? You, keep going. Okay, keep if you going. want to leave, if we If you want to leave, we are literally not offended We're at not all. the people just, that. Just so, this is going to be a fun side note. If, um, so we came from a church where there was a ministry called the Father Heart Ministry. And what they encouraged people to do is to not take notes during sessions. And if you fell asleep, that was actually good because your spirit is still receiving while you're sleeping. So, like, if you guys decided to take a nap, yeah. hallelujah, right? So, if you guys decided to take a nap, we're not offended. And if you get up and leave, we're not offended. Yeah, so, imagine you're nap. preaching and half the room is, like, asleep and you're like, all right, am I hitting the mark or am I just boring? Again, you have to... Maybe a little of both, right? All right, so let's talk about generational parenting then. Um, Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6 says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers uh, on the children on the third and fourth generation for those who hate me but showing loving kindness to thousands of generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, so God's a generational God. He's building generationally. And um, what iniquity is, so there's, uh, theologically there's three types of, of sin. There's sin where you, you make a mistake, okay? You miss the mark, right? So even the sin of unbelief, not believing God, that's a sin, you're just missing the mark, okay? The second is rebellion, as we talked about, and that's where we give consequences to each other because they're willfully choosing not to listen or obey. The third is iniquity, okay? Iniquity is where we call good evil and evil good. Iniquity, so it's where we call shame love, and we pass that down to our kids. Or we call withdrawal love, or we call control love. Now, there are so many different words, but it's when you're calling something of that bank account from darkness something that is light because of your own wounding. And so we all do it. Greg and I are not exempt from this process. We still go through it. I'll just repeat the scripture because I know that's important. Matthew uh, 7 verses 1 and 2, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So judging your parents can look like two things. It can look like we judge them that that is the good thing to do, even though iniquity was present, and we're calling good evil or evil good, like performance, shame, all of that. Or we can judge them saying, I would never do what they did. That's still a judgment. And so we do that in rebellion. Now, it's not to say that that isn't sometimes what the Lord is doing, okay? Saying if your parents were shaming you and then you're saying, I would never do what they did, it might be God drawing you into more of a love-based thing. But if we're doing that out of a heart of judgment, we reap that. And that's not what we want. We want love to be the motive. Um, so then you can see maybe generational is issues presenting themselves in your kids. 
So it might not be something from your parents, it might be a manifestation from your grandparents. Um, and so you see this with like perhaps alcohol, this is older kids, but alcoholism sometimes skips a generation. Well, it's just a form of self-comfort at the end of the day, and that someone up the line called this good when really it was evil. And it wasn't like they sat down their kids and said, you know how we comfort ourselves? Alcohol. But do you know what kingdom was transferred to their heart by just the spirit? Alcoholism as a result of comfort. And so that's something that you can go and go listen to our first session on intercession. And you can stand in the gap on behalf of your parents, your great-grandparents, yourself, your kids, um, and release that so that they can come out of that kingdom and they don't have that sitting in their generational bank account. And you can fill it with love. And you can do it in the spirit. And you can see a transformation in five minutes, sometimes five days, sometimes five years. But you're depositing the kingdom into their bank account so that they have more to draw from. So sometimes it is a generational issue. Like I know Greg says, our kids reflect us back to us a lot of the times. Sometimes it's not us. And that's why, again, it's important to check in with the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, is this a generational issue or is this just like a random thing of my kids revealing myself to me? So for me, like my had a lot of alienation, whereas I didn't. But one of our children started expressing that and we caught it pretty early on, like feeling alienated and not... Um, accepted in communities and that kind of thing and we're like we're in the best community ever everyone like loves you and receives you but her heart wasn't receiving that which points to something blocking her heart and so our jobs as parents is to help identify in our kids where the blocks in their heart are from receiving love and that again and Greg talked about this yesterday the default settings of our heart like we have a default setting and it's always going to be there. It's just the time it takes for us to receive love and go back to our original design shortens and shortens and shortens. So if I can equip my kids, like one of them has an issue with injustice, and then when there's an injustice, they feel rejection and that kind of thing. So she's learning, like, that's my default setting, but the time it takes for her to reconcile that and receive love from the Lord and respond is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's my job, to train a child in the way that they should go. My other child doesn't wrestle with, like, justice issues. She wrestles with something completely different. Order, and when something's disordered, and feeling anxiety when something is out of order. Her gifting is to bring order. The iniquity that has come in through my fam my family is like, if something is out of order, then I feel anxious because I feel inadequate. So if I can teach her the default setting of her heart and she can realize, oh, I'm feeling inadequate because something's out of order and I don't need to take responsibility for this because my proclivity was to take false responsibility if something was out of order and then carry that and feel super important when I would bring order and it would bring a lot of tension in my relationships. And so if I can close the gap for her, then she'll be able to walk in freedom and walk, and we have a, this is a whole other teaching, but um, a lot of the times we think that inner healing is like a, like we start at 10 and so we're- It's a one and done. A one and done, yeah, like start at 10 and now I'm feeling 100 because I did all the healing. Actually, we're on a scale from negative 100 to 100. And inner healing is closing those negative numbers. But what life in the spirit is and where we're looking to raise our kids so by the time they're 18 and they leave the house is they have very minimal negative number issues 
and they're operating in positive numbers. So they know their identity. They're flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. They understand discerning the kingdom. They understand what Jesus is doing and how to participate. And they're actually inheriting the promised land, not still trying to close the gap of the wilderness in their hearts. And that's my job, is to try and equip them and move them from and give them as minimal negative numbers as possible. So I'm going to close in prayer. Let's just put our hands on our hearts. And um, we'll say this. So say, Father, thank you for fathering me. Thank you for giving me everything I need to love my kids well. Thank you for your goodness and your mercies are made new every day. Now I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, Father, so as, um, as we leave from this place, would you continue to reveal to us your nature as, as a good and loving Father? Would you continue to reveal to us um, both, both your masculine and feminine traits and how you've made us to love our kids as fathers and mothers because we are both equal? Amen? Angela has a word of knowledge. Yeah, I just want, I felt the Father saying as Greg was praying, I'm not, and on behalf of him, I'm not embarrassed how I father you, and I'm not embarrassed of how you're treating your children. So there's no embarrassment in the process of him fathering us. And so if you feel that, or if it's like, man, like why can't I get this, or I'm too old, and I don't have enough time, he's not embarrassed at all in how long it's taken you, because again, he lives outside of time, there's no time for him, and he's doing this for eternity. And so I just want to release the embarrassment off of you guys and the shame that comes with that or the humiliation that might come with that and just allow you to step into the freedom of knowing the delight of the Father's parenting process. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'd love to hear from you. So please find us at The Well Exchange on Instagram and send us a message.